0: You're listening to The Whole Church Podcast. Our efforts to educate and unite the church are made possible thanks to our sponsors on Patreon. Please consider joining them for $3 a month at patreon.com forward slash thewholechurchpodcast where you can get access to our special bonus content like our pet peeve segment or discounts to our upcoming events like the Every Tribe, Denomination, and Tongue Convention being held this May. 1
1: Corinthians 9 verses 18 through 22 in the Christian Standard Bible, read, What then is my reward? To preach the gospel and offer it free of charge and not make full use of my rights in the gospel. Although I am free from all and not anyone's slave, I have made myself a slave to everyone in order to win more people. To the Jews I became like a Jew, to win Jews. To those under the law, like one under the law, though I might say that I'm not under the law, to win those under the law. To those who are without the law, like the one without the law, though I am not without God's law, but under the law of Christ, to win those without the law. To the weak I became weak, in order to win the weak. I have become all things to all people, so that I may by every possible means, save some. Now I do all this because of the gospel, so that I may share in the blessings. Here St. Paul is writing to the church at Corinth, immediately preceding this pericope, saint paul told the corinth that he had the right to ask of the church funds for his ministry but denied that right so to help them he states that his reward is to get to share the gospel at all today we're discussing the particularities of different traditions of the church and how we should hold on to those while remaining in unity Shayna, how does what paul says here about imitating other traditions to spread the gospel impact how we think about our topic
2: today I think the the message and the lesson that the Apostle Paul poses then to that community and how it translates to today still stands. I mean, we want to make uh, following Christian principles accessible to all people and to not be exclusive. And what we found was the, is that sometimes the church can be um, a not so friendly and unsafe place. So how do we bring the message of love and the good news um, that we claim to want to spread to the world uh, to be able to take on or shape shift as, as the Apostle Paul talks about um, in the reading that you just provided.
0: Hey everybody, welcome to The Whole Church Podcast, the round table edition, the largest and roundest of our tables yet. <laughs> Guys, I am so excited. We are here to talk about the particularities of the, your faith, um, the different traditions, the things we should hold on to while we are in unity, even if they make us a little bit different from one another. And for this very special episode, we are here with a ton of guests, your favorite Lutheran pastor. That I'm aware of, uh, Pastor Will Rose of Holy Trinity Lutheran Church in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, Christian Ashley, uh, the theolo- student of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. Um, we have Joe Mancusco, the uh, host of The Full Life. We also have another Joe, Joe Day, uh, your favorite home church pastor and host of Buddy Walk with Jesus. We have Shayna Watson. Pastor at St. Peter's Episcopal Cathedral Church in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Nathan Gilmore, he is a professor of Emmanuel College in Moline Dupre Dominiquez. I don't know if I said any of that right, but she'll correct me in a second. Host of On a Mission Pod. Did I say any of that correctly? I just got past Moline and I was like, oh, wait.
3: <laughs> it's a tough one. It's Moline Dupre Dominguez
0: all right luckily tj is better at names than i am speaking of tj we are also here with the world's greatest co-host to ever be contemplated you know when the great philosophers of old that nathan gilmore teaches about sat around thinking of life's greatest biggest mysteries they thought man what if there were these things called podcasts what would the perfect co-host be like and they imagined tj and then he came to be yeah that's that's how that happened
1: yeah so uh if it wouldn't be too much trouble for you, our dear listener, check out our convention website in the description below. Use code HOLE for 40% off at checkout. Uh, and if you're still up about the price, join our Patreon for a couple extra dollars. You can get 60% off your ticket to our convention. We'd love to see you there. Uh, if you do join our Patreon, you can also get access to our questions and answers Discord channel and 10% off all of our merch.
0: Yeah, yeah. And now we're going to get on to to my to the show. And uh, the, the my personal favorite form of unity. Um, I don't know if you all know this or not. Some of you should. You've been on before. But for those who have not, uh, it's impossible to not be in unity. It's impossible to be in disagreement when you're being as goofy as I like to be. So we're going to start with a silly question. And today's silly question is, where would you rather take a family vacation? This is a very simple one. You just got to pick one. Naboo the Shire... Mount Olympus, somewhere on our planet, or Phineas and Ferb's backyard. I'll start first and just say naturally I would choose Phineas and Ferb's backyard. I love Nebu, looks awesome. Phineas and Ferb's backyard can literally be anything though. I'm pretty sure it was Nebu at one point, so I'm that's, going with that.
1: That's <laughs> technically true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. I'm gonna choose the real Nebu though.
1: Fair Gorgeous. enough. Gorgeous Fair place. Enough. Um, Will
4: yeah it's is this is a hard one like i want to go the shire because i, I think they have probably oh, yeah. awesome food and good parties and like gandalf's gonna roll up with uh dragon fireworks <laughs> or something but i um I, I gotta lean towards naboo too only because of climate it looks like the south of france it looks like you could go hang out on the beach it looks like you could have Fair martinis enough. somewhere so that it's really climate i don't like that you know, spoilers <laughs> that uh, uh, Palpatine like is from there, I think. Is that true? I think that's well, true. true. Yeah, he that is. Was, that's where he grew up. And so, like, did not know that. the root of all evil in the Star Wars universe is is there, the homeland. That's the homeland to the root of all evil. Huh. But that climate, the south of France, if I can hang out in the water,
0: I'm good. Bam. All right. Christian, family vacation Naboo, the Shire, Mount Olympus, somewhere on our planet or Phineas and Ferb's backyard. I'm with you.
5: It's got to be Phineas and Ferb's backyard because those two know how to have a good time. Whether it's like discovering something that doesn't exist or giving a monkey a shower.
0: Yeah, you can have snow in the summer. Come on, guys. All right. (laughs) Joe Day. I have to be specific this time.
6: (laughs) Uh, I had to go with the Shire. I might not be the biggest Lord of the Rings fan, but that just seems like a really peaceful place.
0: Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, Moline, is it is it Dr. Moline or is it just Moline? Malene?
3: Just Moline
0: Moline Okay. I'm going to go
3: Naboo. Up. My kid loves Star Wars. She'd love it there. So I'll go Naboo. Fair enough. Fair enough.
7: Okay, Nathan. I'm going to join the Naboo faction. I mean, uh, the grand city, the, uh, the wonderful climate, as we said, uh, just looks like a place that would be uh, worth exploring.
2: Mm, all right. All right. Uh, Shayna. The shire it's beautiful okay. peaceful and there's something about hanging out with smaller people with hairy feet for a second and third <laughs> i mean hey <laughs> that's
0: yeah that's fair that's fair all <laughs> right uh joe man Mancuska, am i saying your last name right i didn't even ask i just assumed i was it's mancuso mancuso well i shouldn't have assumed which one are you going <laughs> with <laughs>
8: well you know i kind of was leaning toward the actual earth because um, we uh, had a family vacation that was so great we went to uh zion this year and we, oh, we had a, cool. what a wonderful time there so i was leaning there but i'd like to see if we could you know breathe underwater i'd like to go in, like the finding nemo land and live underwater for a bit really i bet you could if you
0: were in phineas and Ferb's backyard
8: well the, yes exactly <laughs>
0: I'm surprised no one said Mount Olympus. For some reason, I was convinced Christian would because he likes colder weather, but it just didn't happen. We just didn't make it. It seems dangerous, like you never know what's going to happen. Some some yeah,
4: guys going to get angry and like take me out. Like, I know it, it seems Yeah, way, yeah it I was going to say, yeah. does Mount
7: Olympus have Ovid's gods or Plato's gods? Because that <laughs> right. <matters. laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, you're
4: both
5: right. It's like uh, I love Greek mythology. I would never want to be a part of any story they told. Well, there's only
0: one God, so I assume it's empty. <laughs>
1: And I'm pretty sure he doesn't dress like that. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So on our last roundtable, Dr. Nathan Gilmore mentioned the importance of us all being able to hold to our own particularities. So this happened and have unity with our differences in hand. Nathan, would you
7: remind, would you mind reminding our audience what you were talking about and what you meant by that? Sure thing. One of the things that uh, I learned at first when I was in seminary and I've kind of revisited over the years is George Lindbeck's idea of the, what he calls the cultural linguistic mode of theology. So Lindbeck is a Lutheran theologian whose specialty was Thomas Aquinas. So he's already kind of living in both worlds. And in his 1984 book with the plain vanilla title, the nature of doctrine, he makes the argument that the ecu, that various ec- ecumenical movements have run aground in two different directions in one direction you you get what he calls the propositional impasse, where uh, something is either propositionally true, propositionally false. There can no, be no middle ground, and therefore, uh, if we disagree on a proposition that we determine as close enough to the core of belief, then uh, unity among believers becomes definitionally impossible. On the other extreme, uh, what you get is what he calls the emotional experiential model, uh, in which case, in in which case uh, the things that we teach as Christians, redemption, resurrection, sin, forgiveness, things like this, are basically decorative covers for more basic, more primordial, more universal human experience. And he says the problem there is that uh, everyone has to give up uh, you know, some things that historically were really quite hard fought and really quite important. So as a, a third way, uh, Lindbeck writes about a cultural linguistic model. And, you know, one of the examples he gives uh, is, for instance, the place of tradition uh, in Catholic tradition, in, in uh, Catholic worship, and then in uh, Protestant worship. And he says that when you talk about the magisterium, uh, what you're talking about is a deposit of faith uh, that really, uh, you know, when you examine its particulars, Most Protestant traditions observe most of what is there. And so, you know, what you end up with is a situation where a Protestant congregation and a Catholic congregation are going to share most of what's going on there. They are all part of Christian tradition in that Protestant sense. Uh, And, you know, what is up for grabs uh, isn't so much the uh, proposition, you know, tradition is a source of divine authority. Tradition is not a uh, source of divine authority. Uh, But rather, uh, you know, when we translate the magisterium into Protestant vocabulary, to use his terms, uh, we actually have the possibility of having a much more interesting conversation. It doesn't mean we automatically agree on everything, but at least we can name more truthfully and with more complexity what we disagree on. And so that's where we land on the the emphasis on particularities. What Lindbeck writes about, uh, again, in that book, The Nature of Doctrine, is that the best kind of ecumenical work uh, begins with Lutherans being Lutherans, uh, disciples of Christ being disciples of Christ, Presbyterians being Presbyterians, Pentecostals being Pentecostals. And we try to translate some of our most important core theological distinctives not into a third universal language that we all speak, but into the language of the other. And we ask, all right, you know, if I describe it this way, does this basically, uh, you know, make sense? Is it basically intelligible for you? And so, you know, I've, I first read that book, like I said, more than 20 years ago. And so, you know, when I teach at the Pentecostal College where I, where I teach, when I have conversations with people from different Christian traditions, that tends to be my approach to start with the uh, particularities of my own disciples of Christ tradition, the particularities of the other person's tradition. And, you know, my first goal before we ever get into what can we agree on, what can we disagree on is uh, when I try to give an account of your Pentecostal tradition, can I give an account that you would basically nod your head and say, yes, that's basically what we would hold. And if we can't get there, then we don't go to the next step. That is always before us. So that's the that that's a, that's the I don't know how long I just went. That's the 7 minute version.
0: <laughs> yeah, I um I I always found really interesting more in college than in churches. You'd find groups where you'd have and I experienced this a lot of I even had this with um people who weren't Christian at all who were really good at holding each other to what you believed. <laughs> you know, um which is interesting because what I believed was a sin when me and Christian went to college is not what I believe is a sin now, and yet I had people holding me two that, that I'm still friends with. And I'm really thankful that they were holding me to what I believed at that time. Um, man, we have people from, from lower uh, liturgical Protestant churches, higher liturgical Protestant churches, and two Catholic podcasters on the episode today. So I'm sure there's plenty of responses. First, I want to see um, if uh, Joseph or Maline had anything they wanted to respond to that as a uh, Catholic believers.
3: Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me, everybody. Um boy, I really love the way that you articulated that reality of um trying to honor our particularities while hanging together in unity. I live in the East Bay area of California, and so I feel like that learning and lesson applies across so many different groups that I'm a part of, faith-wise ethnicity wise geography wise politics wise um i guess one thing that struck me as you were speaking um christian was the idea of was it christian who was speaking sorry i can't read your name because it it, it was
7: nathan that's all right
3: nathan (laughs) the window is blocking the name i'll take credit for
5: those wonderful words
3: (laughs) (laughs) thank you nathan for saying that um It just reminded me of something that we used to say all the time in theology school, which is like the great both and, um, that perhaps what we are aiming for is not even to land on one end or another, um, or to think this and not that, or to assert this and not that, but rather to somehow embrace the both and the mystery that arises from the both.
8: Hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll echo those sentiments that I, I and really liked what you said, Nathan, and and I share Marlene's, uh kind of thought process and approach is 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 re. Uh, I think I said this in the last time I was here too. Remaining spiritually curious. I love I love my tradition. I love a lot of what it what it entails. Uh, you know, some I have uh, some questions and thoughts about it too. Um, but I always remain curious about where uh, where other traditions have come from because I, found, I have found in my work on the show, too, it's, there's so much more depth. You can get a depth of faith in a, an approach that you might not have seen through your own particular uh, traditions. So that's what's been my approach.
0: Yeah, yeah. Anybody else have anything they wanted to uh, add or respond to what's been said so far? Well, I'll just say this reminded me of the time you and I both went to go to Father
5: Jonathan's uh, church. Uh, Yeah. He being of the Greek Orthodox tradition, and I had never been to a service before. And I got to say in that moment, while experiencing everything that was going on, this was such a beautiful thing to see how my fellow brothers and sisters were worshiping God in a way that I had never seen before. And at the end, I won't lie. It's like, I am so grateful I was in this moment, but I'm so glad I don't do it this way either. (laughs) And I mean that with all respect.
0: Yeah, I um I've been attending a Lutheran church in Rock Hill. I grew up Pentecostal. So every time they do a little bit more of an upbeat hymn at the end, I get a little excited. I'm like, man, yeah, this is this is my particularity. You know, like this is this is my jam. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Awesome.
1: All right. So with such a large crowd today, we are going to be trying our first ever round table speed round. I'm gonna ask you each three questions and have you answer in one sentence or less i know it's hard you all get paid to speak except christian but you know you do talk you do talk and uh we can't ask any follow-up questions i'm gonna try and do this left or right i don't know how y'all's <laughs> screens are ordered uh, josh do you want me to start with you just just skip me <laughs> all right pastor will rose What is one particularity about your own tradition that you think is important for your congregation to hold on to? Uh, That Lutheran tagline phrase
4: uh, and belief that I also believe that other churches believe as well, but in terms of like Lutheranism, uh, justified uh, by grace through faith, not anything that we earn, but it's all through God's grace.
1: What is a unique aspect of your tradition's history that others may not share with you? The history...
4: Uh, Oh, that, uh, that we're, um, we we're born out of a particular reformer and, and movement from the 1500s.
1: What is one particular theological point that you think it is important for us to learn to disagree about in unity?
4: Oh, um, that Lutherans have better casseroles than other churches.
1: No. <laughs>
8: <laughs> oh, God.
1: That was funny. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Hmm. All right so uh christian ashley what is one particularity about your own tradition that you think is important for your congregation to hold on to the inerrancy of scripture uh what is a unique aspect of your tradition's history that others may not share with
5: you uh well i come from a very baptist tradition so i'm going to say full immersion when it comes to baptism not say anything else is illegitimate but i do believe for the full symbolism to be there got
1: to go all the way What is one particular theological point that you think is important for us to learn to disagree about in unity? Creation
5: and how it happened. And I know there's a ton of Baptists out there who are going to be very upset with what I say, but I don't care. Say, look, I believe I prefer a young earth, but who knows? I wasn't there, as Joshua would like to
1: say. It's true. I don't think you were there. But Joe Day, what is one particularity about your tradition that you think it's important for your congregation to hold on to?
6: Uh, community. I, um, being, being in the, um, the house church scene community is
1: at the heart and soul of what it is that we do. So what is a unique aspect of your tradition's history that others may not share with you? The fact that it happens in
6: houses, the fact that it happens outside of a building, outside of a, a building and, and all of that for better or for worse, it definitely, uh, There is a particular mental picture that people have when they hear house church.
1: What is one particular theological point that you think is important for us to learn to disagree about in unity?
6: Um, The practice of collective worship. So like service and the particulars of that.
1: Hmm. All right. Malene, Dr. Malene other names Dupree, I don't remember the last one. I'm sorry. Uh, what is one particularity about your own tradition that you think it is important for your congregation to hold on to?
3: Uh, so I'm going to say in the Catholic tradition, something about the Eucharist and the real presence of Christ.
1: Yeah. Uh, so what is a unique aspect of your tradition's history that others may not share with you?
3: Uh, something about interpretation of scripture, uh, and not reading the Bible literally
1: what is one particular theological point that you think it is important for us to learn to disagree about in unity?
3: Yeah, timing and age of person at baptism.
1: All right. Uh, Dr. Nathan Gilmore, what is one particularity about your own tradition that you think is important for your congregation to hold on to?
7: One of our particularities is our insistence that we do theology inside of the community when we disagree. It is always with fellow Christians, and we always insist on maintaining that bond not only within those disagreements, but especially within those disagreements. Uh, What is a unique aspect of your tradition's history that others may not share with you? We were non-sectarian and non-denominational before it was cool, which is to say back in the early 19th century. Uh, We failed miserably at that, but now, 200 years later, our moment seems to have arrived. So, what is one particular theological point that you think is important for us to learn to disagree about in unity? The metaphysics of the Eucharist. I think that we should dispute them. We should dispute them vigorously and we should dispute them while we share the bread and the cup at the table of Christ. All right. Shana? I don't don't know your last name. I didn't get that information.
2: Watson. Shana
1: Watson? Is it on here? That's embarrassing. So, what is one particularity about your own tradition that you think is important for your congregation to hold on to? Um,
2: that we have a via media ethos, which is the middle way. Um, our Anglo Catholic, our Anglican tradition always finds itself not too far off to the right or to the left, but rather a welcoming space for all to come. And those who are seeking or those who have already established themselves can find safe space there. So, via media.
1: What is a unique aspect of your tradition's history that others may not share with you?
2: Sure, um, I would say, unlike any other denomination or tradition, we were we attribute our founding to King Henry VIII. So we were established by a monarchy. Um, and when the Church of England came to the United States, uh, after the Revolutionary War, we changed our name from Church of England into the Episcopal Church.
1: Right. So what is one theolo- particular theological point that you think it is important for us to learn to disagree about in unity?
8: Mm,
2: I feel like we're like Game of Thrones or a little bit of Hogwarts here, which house? Um, (laughs) I would say that, um, that we are really big on unity versus uniformity. We believe that people can still bring the core of who they are especially myself having grown up in the church of god in christ from a charismatic pentecostal tradition similar to some of you and now being in an anglo-catholic tradition it's kind of like i didn't necessarily have to leave everything behind but rather all that who i am i can bring forward into this space and still continue to be shaped and transformed um, into the anglican tradition and into whatever god is calling me to be
1: all right so joseph mancuso What is one particularity about your own tradition you think it is important for your congregation to hold on to?
8: I'm going to agree with Marlene. I think the singular most Catholic thing is Christ being fully present in the Eucharist. What
1: is a unique aspect of your tradition's history that others may not share with you?
8: The practice of the, I was going to say the practice of the seven sacraments uh, as facilitations of grace.
1: What is one particular theological point that you think is important for us to learn to disagree about in unity?
8: Our relationship with Mary and the saints and how we interact in that way. That's
1: That's a good one. A lot of people don't understand that. Check out our episode called Catholic Talk.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that was like way back in the day. It was like three years ago. Yeah, crazy. So in Galatians 3, 28, uh, St. Paul writes that there is no longer any Greek, Hebrew, male, female, or other separations. Um, A lot of people use this first to say we shouldn't have any differences at all no matter, you know, our ethnicity, gender, tradition, whatever. What do we think St. Paul is really trying to get at here? Um, I know Will has to leave early, so I'm going to throw it to him first and see who else wants to have a go at this after that.
4: Yeah, I mean, I think um, just with this topic of particularities, I think, yeah, often the the danger is that that we – watered down our differences so much that we no longer have our own identity and personhood and agency within the discussion of, or personality within kind of your own faith and, and your journey. And I think uh, denominations and Christian traditions can be that way too. I don't think um, Paul is saying here that Um, you all have to be the same. I think what he's saying here, these particular labels and identities here shouldn't be a wall uh, between your relationship with one another. Uh, It's not necessarily you should all be the same thing. It's kind of like, like shapeless blob and with no identity or personality, but, but rather don't let these other things come between you and another person's relationship.
5: I agree completely. I mean, As far as that verse is concerned, I mean, even before that, talking about how we're all children of God, saved through Jesus Christ, that salvation makes us all equal. Now, as far as everything that happens after that, we're different. And that's okay, because if God wanted to make us all the same, we would all look the same. We would all act the same. But he didn't do it that way because of how creative he is. And he gives us all those options to say, this is how you choose to look at me. This is how you choose to work in my church. Do
0: that faithfully and correctly.
5: We have no issue.
0: All right, So this is a little confusing. Both Joe's have something to say, so I'm a I'm going to say Joe or Joseph, and you'll know who I'm talking about, Joe. <laughs> so I'll uh one of the
6: one of the my favorite things about what I get to do and how I've gotten there is getting a chance to see a, a pretty diverse crowd, and generally, the people who make it to my doorstep have been beat up in some kind of way from some kind of tradition and. One of the biggest travesties, and don't get me wrong, uh, Josh knows this. Anybody who's, who's who's done any kind of ministry work with me knows I'm, opinion, I'm opinionated about some things. There are some things that I really do fundamentally believe and, and hold strongly and all of that kind of stuff. But the secret sauce, if you will, is finding the line of, yeah, you're allowed to be opinionated. Yeah, you're allowed to be passionate. You're allowed to have... A stance, but if your stance comes before loving your neighbor, if your stance is the primary and then caring for the other person and being a fully fledged citizen of the kingdom of God comes second, then then some something's off, you know? So, yeah, I mean, just just in this panel alone, right, I look at this screen and I see so many different people from so many different walks of life that have so many different experience tracks that they bring to the kingdom. And it's it's a it's a beautiful picture of the of the the through line and connective tissue of Holy Spirit in each one of our lives. How else do you have this diverse of people come together under one roof and be able to say, you know what? Yeah, if we try it hard enough, I am absolutely certain (laughs) that we could find ourselves in the theological deep weeds about something or another. But we're Mm -hmm. still here. We're still coming together for the cause of the kingdom.
8: Well, I think the complementary scripture to this is where I went in my thoughts before the show was Corinthians 9 and 19 through 23, where he's like becoming all things for all people. I think Paul reflects Jesus very much in that way, where he spoke directly to each and every person. And I think Paul does that in his writings. I mean, you look, when he speaks to the different communities, he writes a little differently to the different communities because they have, they come from, they bring their own traditions. They have their own understandings of things. And I think that the church in that way in their different, in our different denominations is very similar in that we, we all encounter God in those different ways. And I think, so I think, no, we shouldn't, we shouldn't just be equal or all the same. I mean, I mean, all the same. It, it, we should celebrate these particularities and so, and so forth that because God put these in place in, in, in a meaningful way and has allowed us to, again, this sort of tapestry. Of faith that we all have encountered, that we can encounter most, especially when we come together in these groups like this and learn from each
7: other. And I want to riff off that just a little bit, Joseph, because one of the most curious things about that passage is that he says, I have become like a Judean or like a Jew, right? I mean, he's from freaking Jerusalem. So, I mean, something has happened to his identity, just like Joe was saying that, I mean, he has to work to become like a Judean again. Well, it was and, so you know, interesting. I, I think... Uh, go ahead, Joseph. Yeah. No, no,
8: well, it was so, I, I actually was uh, I was on another show with uh, with a Jewish roots uh, Christian pastor, and it was... There's different factions of Jewish... So he had to, like, morph to the different different factions of the Judaic faith, and he did that differently for each and every part of that faith, you know? So he really worked on encountering people where they were at in the position they were in. So.
7: Right. I guess one of my aspirations is to become someone who has to work to be like an American. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a good one. Um, Malene.
3: Yeah, this is so good. I mean, I had to l- look up the passage and I guess one thing that really draws my attention is not so much that there is neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free, but the, the next phrase that says for you are all one. So mm-hmm. to me, I feel like, that's a more uh, challenging part of the phrase to say you are now one. And um, I mean, for me, being a U.S. person, a person who was born and raised in the United States, (laughs) where I feel like individualism is so prized and our individual particularities are so interesting to us. I know that there are many other cultures where individual particularities are not of interest really at all and that it is more Mm -hmm. about the whole and the community. So to me, that's a major point that Paul is trying to get across of like, forget about your individual differences, forget about what you've been told about who deserves more power or respect, or is more human. You are now all one. Jesus wipes away those power dynamics. It builds upon – I, I
4: kind of made a joke in there about, about casseroles, but what, kind of what I was getting at is that too often, like I know in our tradition, Lutheran traditions, what we understand as like particular Lutheran is often cultural or like – uh, area or regional based, and so, or like, a, we're from like a Europe, white European country, or from the North or from the South United States, and so we have these like collective differences around like food or how you do worship. But then, um, but then, how do we come together underneath of like what unifies us in terms of our understanding of scripture and, and sacraments and mm-hmm. understanding of, of grace? So, so it's being a little. A little flippant there but but i didn't mean to be in a sense that i like yeah. those things are often confused as what makes me lutheran is like the pink jello that we have at our at our church uh it was like well we haven't had pink jello in in north carolina ever so like that where where does that go so it's not that these things don't matter which time out in glaciers but i think he's talking and also building on like there's there's some cultural things there's there's um, um other aspects that they're getting in the way of how one relates to the other person and understand that you're on one big family, even though you have these differences with, with one another. So.
0: Yeah. Uh, growing up, I was a really close friend with our pastor's son. So at the end of every family fun night, I went to their house and me and the pastor split an entire giant bowl of banana pudding. It was a great time. Um, <laughs> Shana, everybody else has gone. I'm, I'm, I don't mean to put you on the spot. Did you have anything you wanted to add to this part of the conversation too, though? Are you I thought good?
2: Every, everyone spoke well. I mean, everyone was checking all boxes. <laughs> yeah. Everything I was thinking about I was like ping, ping, ping. I'm like, yes, yes, yes. Hallelujah. Amen. I was waving my hand. And, um <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that yeah. was fantastic. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, something Joe said earlier. This he he was talking about how, yeah, we could probably find things we disagree about, but it's it's kind of more about the work. It reminded me of a Facebook post, ironically, I saw earlier this week that I shared and it talks um, about, yeah, we can debate, should we teach a man to fish or should we give a man a fish? That's a good conversation to have. Uh, Either way, our job as Christians is to be doing the fishing. Like we're still supposed to be fishing, regardless of what you think of, should we be educating them on how to do it or just giving it to them? Uh, Your job is still the same.
2: (laughs) Absolutely. And learning different ways to fish, you know, like, our way isn't the only way yeah. to capture fish and depending on what waters we're going into, you know, we might need a net instead of a line. Obviously I don't fish. Clearly. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Well, I was gonna say the same I thing. Agree.
1: I love a good I love a good bait casting.
2: It goes to Nathan's point about, you know, what Paul said about he became like these other people. And so often we want the unity without that type of work. We don't want to transform or change mm-hmm. ourselves, but we want others to change around us to conform. So, I mean, there's power in both what Nathan and what you are now highlighting. Yeah. 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 Joe, you had one more thing. Yeah.
6: Yeah. Uh, I, I have to laugh when I when I think of the first time that I was brought into the whole church ecosystem it was to have a conversation with pastor will about church offices and about the the role of liturgy and all, all being you know coming from a liturgical background and all of that kind of stuff and i was uh <laughs> it was an experience and i've learned since since then specifically from a gentleman that came through that came through our system that came from a liturgical background and he and I sat down and had and, and had some conversations and and he shared with me some of the experiences that he had and all of that kind of stuff and it really opened up my eyes to this idea that just because it's not something that I think that I think of when I when I think of of, of what what bring what puts my heart in a posture to worship God that that doesn't do that for somebody else. You know what I mean? That it's not about the systematized approach. It's about this is what is softening my heart from whatever else is going on and puts me in a position where I am authentically engaging with God, because that's that's the name of the game. It's the same deal with what Nathan said about the table and the cup and the bread. Okay, we could sit here and go back and forth about the metaphysics of it all and and, and we should the, and, and <laughs> what the symbolism is or what it's not or whatever, <laughs> but at the same time, what happens when even if the conversation is the 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 the, all, all, the actual bread and cup, what happens if a whole bunch of believers come together and share a table with each other and love on each other? And show mm-hmm. and, and and our family with one another. It just it's 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 one of those things that I think we we can very easily lose. Any of these topics are things that we can lose the forest through the trees on and lose sight of what actually was like what actually happened in the gospel accounts and how Jesus actually displayed okay this is how you love god and love others this is how you interact with people literally giving us the example black text white page
0: Mm -hmm. yeah and this is going to be a perfect transition to tj's question part of what i like about going more lutheran is uh we, we do this like where we just pull from everybody and just kind of say, yep. And it, it's really fun. The things that I learned about the Lutheran faith where it's like, hey, uh, it's communion. Is it literally the body of Christ? Is it symbolic? Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm, yep. <laughs> I'm like, ah, sure. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> I love it.
1: So we've talked a lot about our own traditions and history. Uh, is there any one tradition or practice that another faith tradition has different from your own that you particularly admire? Christian. I can't remember if I said this on the show or not before, but if
5: it is ever possible to be spiritually jealous of another denomination, it would be the hierarchy of uh, Catholicism and how that is structured, how it is ordered. And I know that is so anti-Protestant. I just said that, but it's – you have it set up, and if I screw up any of these terms, please correct me. Uh, you have your different cardinals in place for their different dioceses to make sure that these things are being done. You know the food is being distributed here, like this person is in charge of this area, and like you don't get that a lot on our side of things. And I know that's one of the reasons we broke away was because of you know certain things that are happening there with and people being people of being corrupt in certain areas. But guess what? We became corrupt too. It's just human nature. So why can't we get the good things while stripping away the old things we didn't like? I'm not in charge of the SBC. <laughs> this is just who I am. Yep. Not yet.
1: Uh, <laughs> Nathan, you're at one.
7: Yeah, I, uh, I grew up in a town in central Indiana uh, that was settled by Quakers. So they've always been a tradition that has uh, fascinated me and I've always deeply respected. Uh, and also, a little trivia bit, our high school football team was the Fighting Quakers, And yes, we all got a good laugh out of that. But, uh, you know, one of the things that I really appreciate about them, the more I learn about their history, is that they were a pacifist tradition, not in a happily pluralistic context, but in 17th century England, where there were real chips on the table, there was real potential of violence, and they still insisted on their nonviolence. Marlene. You had one for us.
3: Yep, I'm with you. Love the pacifist tradition and the um, really fierce standing up to power to defend gospel values. I mean, uh, the hierarchy is not one of my favorite things about being Catholic, that's for sure. I'm jealous of the collegiality that leaders in other faith traditions get to have. And this this emphasis on collegiality as opposed to on hierarchy. I mean I do love a good organization that's for sure. But I do love collegiality as well.
1: All right. Uh Joe Day, you've got one for us. I do um anytime
6: that I have interacted with Assemblies of God uh churches they they are some of the most welcoming and loving people at, at, out of out of the variety of denominations that I've interacted with like straight across the board their first instinct tends to be uh, high and authentically how are you in a way that I don't often see out of out of some of the other denominations. Not to paint any kind of stereotypes or anything like that. Just, I, like I said, pretty categor- categorically from AOG, that's something that I see.
1: And I bet they're eating. Yeah. We're going to eat. Uh, Joseph Mancuso, uh, you had one for us.
8: Yes, I, I, I agree on both accounts that I don't always love the hierarchy because it feels like another bureaucracy you have to cut through. Um, but what I do love uh, about the Catholic faith is that there's a universal church, meaning like I could go to a, a, a Catholic church in the middle of anywhere, and even if I don't understand the language, I kind of know what's coming. You know, and so, and I don't always get that because it's very—it's more pastor-centered in in Protestant traditions in a lot of cases. So it doesn't—not always the same. Um, but what I did love, and what has really deeply impacted my life from early on—that I wasn't getting in the Catholic Church where, uh, early on in my life—was a more rich teaching of the Bible. I think there was a couple of generations of Catholicism that just totally missed that boat, and they're like just catching up. And and the Holy Spirit and that personal relationship and how to discern and all of that, that didn't come from my Catholic upbringing as a child. Like I had to go find that and incorporate that back in. Um, so that's what I really appreciate coming from the Protestant tradition. All right. Uh, Will Rose.
4: Yeah, I'll say that like sometimes um, Lutherans feel like the church or Christianity started in the 1500s, and I'm like, no, there's 1500 years of other history. So I admire within Catholicism this understanding and idea that like um, there are so many personalities and a rich sense of mysticism and spirituality within these personalities for 2000 years, um, and so the iconography uh the writings, the reflections, having that sort of depth there, uh, and letting my own church and parishioners know that like, yeah, the church didn't start um in, in fifteen seventeen.
1: All right. Uh Joshua Knoll, uh, you had one for us today.
0: Yeah, yeah. I am um ironically, as an outcome of me being extremely ADHD, I, I've forced myself to really love organization and like structure and like being methodical so i i love the methodist church like i wish i could just bring myself to be methodist because i'm like man so many of these like hey we just outlined here's our practice of how we do this and it's like a b c structured uh, i think the main reason i'm not is because i, I just don't think it would challenge me enough so yeah. I, I like i'm at the lutheran church because it challenges me a lot <laughs> it's, yeah it's very learn how to do both and learn to be okay with mystery and i'm like I don't like mystery. I want everything to be step by step and exactly planned out and explained perfectly. And that's uh that's just how God works, it turns out.
1: Yeah, I actually <laughs> I've I've been to a Methodist service a couple of times it's cool. and uh they had like an outline of this is yeah. what's going to happen when in the service. It's, it's great. fantastic. Yeah. But uh one thing for me I've always been a little jealous of is uh the burning of the incense in the Catholic church. Yeah. My church smells weird. Those are cool.
0: <laughs> that's, a, that's a interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, bring out the ball. <laughs> Man. You know, also, I got to say, weirdly enough, when I was at college, my favorite gatherings were the Catholic group. They're so much fun. There's so much free food involved. I like free food.
8: <laughs> I thought you were going to say there was wine there. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Man, it wasn't even that. Uh, Sister Rose has been on the show before. She would make me like waffles and eggs and just sit there and talk to me about God. And I'm like, breakfast and theology? Sure. Sign me up, man. (laughs) All right. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, did anybody else have any other notes about particularities, other traditions, the things that we need to hold on to while we find unity? Uh, Oh, Shana. Yeah, Shayna Watson. Um, is it reverend or pastor Shayna Watson?
2: Um, it's either the reverend or some call me mother since it's the equivalent of oh, okay. father. I know it's probably sacrilegious for some to say that, and, um, <laughs> which is part of the reason why I love the Episcopal Church and its ordination of women. Um Growing up in the Church of God in Christ, which is a part of the Black church tradition, and now being in the Episcopal Church, which is a predominantly white space, but the Lutherans have a speed; They are the whitest church in the mainline Protestantism. (laughs) Um, I, I would say one thing that I do miss from childhood, from that Um, Pentecostalism and and charisma uh, um, are the altar calls. Uh, The opportunity, I would almost compare it to confession in a way, Mm -hmm. Um, very public uh and no shaming it's almost like we want you to bring all of the things that you your burdens your problems and and come before the altar of god in a sense of reverence and allow your community to pray for you so i, I find that uh very sweet and and no. holy and sacred and it's something that uh we we do collectively in our liturgy we read it together you know we say the word some of us even have it memorized but it's a I found that the altar call was more experiential and it moved from head to heart. So, uh, you know, it moved from an intellectual exercise into one that was, um, physiological and even metaphysical sometimes.
0: Yeah. One thing I've been encountering a lot recently that I hadn't thought of is, uh, having grown up in a Pentecostal church, it was just a lot more normalized for me to see grown men crying than it is for most people. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I was, I was going to say, uh, not enough of y'all wash feet.
2: What do you know about that foot washing? washing. (laughs) Listen, those are some good
8: services,
0: man.
2: I
8: tell you, you know, I was—I just popped when you said feet. I mean, we do that every uh, Holy Thursday with my kids in our house. You know, because you 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 learn to to humble yourself right in the home to each other.
2: Yes. Mm
4: -hmm. Yeah, we we wash feet, but it's like once a year, Monday Thursday. You know, getting ready for Sacrament <laughs> like in Holy Week. We we do it we do it once once a year. And and then I go back to like uh, pointing out like particularities and, and other things, like you know, even within the Lutheran tradition, like Martin Luther didn't even like the name Lutheran. Like he was like, don't call, them, don't name a church after me. I didn't die for your sins. So, like, even if we're going to talk about what it means to be Lutheran, like we could even take away the word Lutheran, <laughs> and there'd still be traditions that would make us this kind of theological tradition
8: mm-hmm. rooted
4: in this kind of understanding of of justif- justification. Uh, by faith through grace so there 's there's you could even take away the word lutheran but and and understand that other churches continue to do you know word and sacrament and and liturgy and wear robes or not wear robes the, those those things are part of the traditions, but then I think it 's a great question because often we think about you know who are lutherans we often define ourselves by what we're not instead of what <laughs> we really are and and think uh-huh. about okay what makes us us and and thinking through those questions in particularity so um love this conversation and it's and and what we're doing
0: here that we need to do more often yeah yeah another thing i liked about being more in lutheran spaces recently uh i've never been to anything with like a lot of liturgy so the fact that lutherans do a really good job of writing out exactly what's going to be happening helps me a lot <laughs> Um, Maline, yeah, I you, mean, you had those,
3: yeah, I just loved hearing Shayna talk about um you know the different variations on expression of emotion. I feel like don't you think like a lot of these denominations are simply uh expressions of how comfortable people are with their feelings, <laughs> especially in public, you know, and that like some denominations have really got it down like how to publicly communally express emotion and like making it okay and making it normalized. Like you were saying, Joshua, like the whole idea of grown men crying in public. I mean, that is so rare to happen in so many of the liturgical traditions that I've ever participated in. Whereas we are much more intellectualized. We've written it out. We have thought it through, but we don't really feel it. And some other communities are so much more skilled at feeling it in public and expecting everyone in the room to have a feeling Mm. as opposed Mm. to an intellectual assent to a doctrine Mm. or something. Yeah. Yeah. And
0: I think it's still okay for me to speak to some people in the Pentecostal grouping. Um, I know one thing when we (laughs) (laughs) one thing once when TJ and I first started doing this show that caught me off guard and this is uh, maybe spiritual snobbery perhaps is what I'm trying to get at but it, it was somehow I didn't expect to meet uh catholic ministers or you know orthodox ministers where i would be in their presence and you can feel the spirit of god like in my mind i'm like oh that's that's the pentecostal thing you know like they're intellectual we're the spiritual ones i'm like oh wait no no that's here too
8: (laughs) yes well i've heard that before um and (laughs) and but that's great i mean the good news is that i think that the catholic church is is probably changing for the better because you can feel that spirit moving Ever ever growingly, I think, Um, because mm-hmm. I think we have been reawakened in the last couple of generations to improve what may have been working as well, and we mm-hmm. continue to do that. Like I wanted to comment on that feeling that people were talking about and that expression of feelings, because I still remember, like in the sacrament, I remember what I felt like going to my first confession. Like I remember sitting mm-hmm. in that, I uh, sitting in that box, and feeling like God was, God was working within me. But at the same time, because I was exposed to Protestant traditions, I felt this call to go up to an altar call, like a year <laughs> after that confession, and I had that same I had that same feeling that God was working in this moment. So I, I love I love confession. I think it's so such a wonderful practice for yourself. But right. but God can work in all of these places, and and those feelings are really where He's talking to you and saying, "I'm doing something here."
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm hoping Will's becoming a bigger and bigger fan of confession. As I call him occasionally, confess things to him. Um. <laughs>
4: uh, I've run it out of absolution for this guy. Somebody help me. Somebody else. Shayna, you're next. I'm tagging out. It's a tag team. Shana tagging you. You hop in the ring. You please help me start charging time. him. Oh,
0: <laughs> we're <are> we Lutherans. We don't charge. Speaking of uh, spirituality.
7: You in see the Catholic there are these Church, theses. <laughs>
0: Speaking of spirituality of the Catholic Church, though, I already mentioned Sister Rose once. I'm just going to keep mentioning Sister Rose. She told me one time that there are Catholic churches who practice speaking in tongues, and she refers to them as the the happy, clappy churches. And I just thought that was the best thing I ever heard. (laughs) I was like, yeah. Happy clappy churches. Yeah.
4: Perfect. Yeah. And, and like, man, when I, when we have like an upbeat hymn and people start (laughs) trying to clap in the Lutheran, I'm like, oh my gosh, y'all. You're horrible. What are we doing? And we just need, again, like Shane said, we're we're the way, we need to be trained and be around other people who can help train us for that. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard the
1: Methodist church clap.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The first few times they played some of those upbeat hymns that were definitely pulled from like AME Zion or Pentecostal churches, uh, I got picked on, and I think I think they just got used to it. I think they've just accepted that I am an extremely white Pentecostal, so I can't dance. I have no rhythm, but I will try. Yeah, that's
8: true. <laughs> we're here for that, Josh. We're yeah, all. They, they can't hear. stop me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> they can't. cannot stop me.
2: <laughs> fire shut up in your bones.
0: <laughs> <laughs> there it is. There it is. Well, guys, so this is one we do ask everybody um, at the end of all of our podcasts. We like to ask. If you had to give everybody a single tangible action that they could go do right this moment that'll help better unite the church, usually with roundtables, I try to make it a little bit more specific, but I feel like this one is pretty much just the theme of our show. Like This is a good entry point for whole church, I think. So what would be just a practical thing that listeners could stop right now, go do, and it would help better unite the church? I'm going to start backwards this time. Uh, Joseph, what's something listeners could do that would practically that would help unite the church better.
8: You know, um, I I thought about this a lot before we started, and I think it's kind of twofold. I mean, I I think there is a bit of discernment when you're you're, you're talking with people of different Mm faiths or talking with people who say they believe in Jesus. I mean, look, there's a lot of fault there could be a lot of false teachings out there. There could be a lot of things that lead you astray. You do need to really have a core belief. You need to know what you believe. You need to know what those big capital T's of mm-hmm. tradition and big, ca- and those big faith bedrocks are, um, mm-hmm. that, that you're gonna, that you're gonna stay onto and know that no matter what, if that, if that person says that that's the thing well I'm not sure that that's where I should go but at the same time there are mostly in a lot of cases a lot of little t's a lot of the things that are just encounter God differently and you also need to know what those are so you know so you don't get hung up on all of those things that can block Mm -hmm. you from just experiencing that richness of faith from someone else For sure
1: TJ so you might not be able to do it right this second but it's Wednesday if we're on schedule. Instead of going to your normal Wednesday night service, go to another church's Wednesday night service. Yeah. Preferably in a different denomination, because uh, that would help the most, I think. But see how they learn compared to how your church learns. It means yeah. a lot, and it makes a lot of difference.
0: Yeah. All right, Christian, last time we did Sunday to see how other people worship. This time we'll have to, we'll have to go somewhere on a Wednesday night per, per TJ's command. Um, that's a you seven know. hour drive this time around, but I think I can swing it. It's, yeah, we'll figure it out. <laughs> uh, Reverend Shayna Watson, um, Mother Shayna, <laughs> do Aww. you have something practical people could do right now that would help better maintain the church, unity in the church?
2: Well, thanks. And Shayna's fine. Um, I echo TJ. Uh, do as the Apostle Paul has um, modeled for us. And Become something, someone else. Go to a church that's not of your own or to be with people who do not look like you. And I would even challenge us to um, step out of Christendom and go to a mosque uh, reverently and respectfully or attend a Shabbat service um, also reverently and respectfully. Um, I think it's important for us to access uh, people outside of of our four walls um, or just sit on the street and have conversations with people. To me, that's the church.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. As, um, as an exercise once. Um, so I showed there's, there's this famous picture of three men tasting vinegar. One makes a sour face. One makes a, a bitter face and one smiling. And, you know, it's supposed to represent how you need to understand both that there's structure, that there's mm-hmm. things that need to, you know, this tastes bitter because you didn't do something with it. Sometimes it's sour because, Life is suffering, and sometimes you Mm. just are happy that it is what it's supposed to be. Mm. And then everybody loved it until I explained, yeah, that's uh, the Buddha, uh, Confucius, (laughs) and Lao Tzu. And they were like, wait a minute. Now it's bad because it's other religions. Well, you know, you could still learn things from people. Anyway, uh, (laughs) Professor Nathan, do you have a practical thing people could do that would help better maintain unity in the church right now?
7: I do, and as usual, it has it has to do with the way that we educate our believers in church contexts. And my suggestion is that we take as one of our models uh, Herman Wouk's book uh, W O U K. He's a Jewish novelist, but he wrote a book called "This Is My God," uh, in which at length he describes all of the Jewish traditions that make up his spiritual life. And his aim is not to convince you that you should, uh, you know, become like him, but Rather to say, uh, this is why I remain as I am. And, you know, Mm -hmm. if we take that as a model, I think that that uh, has the potential to, uh, you know, advance conversations that maybe we wouldn't have otherwise. Yeah. Malene.
3: All right. I'm going to just take it a step easier than actually attending, uh, but just to notice uh, houses of worship in your neighborhood um, and maybe even checking to see if you could subscribe to their online newsletter and. You know, just uh, pay attention to what's going on through that way. And it might not be as intimidating for folks as actually physically showing up somewhere, but just to start to get a flavor of the language and concerns and ways of talking about um, all the things that we houses of worship talk about.
1: TJ? I would like to amend my previous statement. Mm -hmm. Uh, Malin had a much better idea. (laughs) Uh, as whatever church you're curious about get as specific as you can without it just being that church on a denominational level and look up what they believe usually there's a a pretty handy website Mm -hmm. that'll just tell you what they believe about a bunch of stuff i -hmm. used it for the church of god of prophecy to make sure i knew what i was talking about because you know i was pretty sure but i've only been a part of the church (laughs) for like 23
0: years so yeah yeah He's 23 years old, if you were wondering. I, I So one one time we had a guest on here who suggested praying for a church that you drive by every day. And because I started praying, I ended up accidentally doing Malene's suggestion. I started looking stuff up because I'm like, I want to know about this church I'm praying for. What are they doing? What's their background? And I know like just an odd amount about this random, tiny little AME Zion church that's on the corner of our street here. Because I'm like, you know, I just, I got to know more. All right, Will. We're skipping Christian. Going to Will.
4: Yeah, well, Christian's next after this. But I think it's yeah, funny no. that you accidentally Sorry. looked it up. Like you were just asleep, and all of a sudden, like so you like you started typing, and it accidentally <laughs> came up on your webpage. I like that. Understanding. No, and I'll take like I love the idea of subscribing to somebody else's email or. website but then also like a lot of churches are doing their online services too so go on and whether it's youtube or some of their videos and and subscribe and and watch and and Mm -hmm. and build them up and pray for them while while they're doing that for me I think my thing would be like what we're doing now would be for our listeners to share this episode <laughs> with a friend and, and That's say, a great Hey, idea. <laughs> and, and you know, the, the clickbait, you know, the arguments, the debate on YouTube, the, the so and sos angry with so-and-so, and that gets the most clicks. And so perhaps our, our listeners and those part of the community can change their algorithms a little bit and not and kind of resist the clickbait of the debate and the angry person yelling at the other angry person, but perhaps share this and say, here's, here are some people really having a conversation and understand that we're under the umbrella of of grace and God's love. And so, how do we work together as a, um, as brothers and sisters in Christ? So mm-hmm. that is what I would I say. Share this and then change that algorithm. That it's not debates and uh, sensationalism,
0: but but some yeah. some calm heads having a good conversation. I'm gonna I'm gonna add to um to Will's there. I'm gonna do a slight amendment. I'm going to include in the show notes what minute and second marker we started talking about all the other traditions we're jealous of that we love so much, because I think that where we're all going around, talking about other traditions we like that aren't our own is really powerful. And when you share on Spotify, it gives you a chance to choose at what point you want them to start when you share. Choose that point. Okay, Christian. (laughs) If there
5: was a point, dear listener, during this whole time when you had a twinge of guilt you said, I don't know what my denomination believes. Mm. Good. Accept mm. that as reality. Look it up. And then mm. ask your leadership about what you believe, what your denomination mm. believes. And if they don't know, that's a good sign to go somewhere else, more than likely. So just figure out what it is. Why are you where you're at? Are you there because that's where your parents went? Are you there because that's what you believe? Figure it out. And don't be ashamed mm. for how long it took you to come to this place.
0: Mm. I can't add anything to that one.
5: How would the world change? How would we change in the church? Well, if we all started doing that within our local churches, figuring out what it is, why are we here? Why do we believe that this is what happens with transubstantiation? This is what happens with the veneration of, of Mary or the saints or what have you. Or this is why we believe in full immersion baptism. Like it will help us know, okay, this is where we come into the picture. But why do these people think this? And yet they still, they serve God just as much as I do i think that'll connect us a lot
1: better uh shana shana watson
2: um thank you christian i love what you just shared and i just want to build on that um just by saying uh people will embody or become that sacramentology that we talk about so much you know the sacraments or at least for us in the anglican um, uh, faith or system of belief is is all about the embodiment you know we living out our talk and walking our talk and all of those things so it's not just experiencing the body and blood of Christ during uh, the Eucharist but rather how do we live that out day to day so in um, subscribing to a newsletter seeing what our neighbors our friends our, Um, global neighbors are are doing and what are they talking about? What are their interests? What are their concerns? Um, Similar to those um, intrafaith as well as interfaith. So, and, and showing up and being present. I mean, I can't tell you how much it meant to our Jewish brothers and sisters and our Muslim brothers and sisters when there were violence and hostilities towards them and they saw someone from the Christian community show up to their space to stand in solidarity with them. So there is a spiritual aspect to this and, and also a safety and security aspect to this as well. So how do we embody the body of Christ? How do we know that we are Christians? I will allow my neighbor to say whether or not I'm, I'm, I'm a Christian because I want my behaviors Mm. to show what Mm. i believe
0: amen i am i want to add a little add a, a little bit to this and go back to that random post on facebook i mentioned earlier i think that as we look things up and as we're praying for these other churches and we learning like look like what christian and shana were just talking about we see the particularities and why they're different. I think they kind of disarm us a little bit when we realize that there's reasons for other people being different. And once you're disarmed and you can't just be mad at all, they're different, then all of a sudden you're left looking going, oh, wait, we, why aren't we doing the work? <laughs> why aren't we fishing? Once you get past the, should we teach them to fish or give them a fish? When you see that there's reasons behind both, you're left with, oh, I should be fishing still. And I think that's the thing. I think it would disarm us if we we did all of these things that y'all mentioned and i think it would be a powerful and good thing
8: and how much more effective would the fishing be with us all collectively fishing together hmm. yeah. Yeah. they
1: yeah. put a lot of people on those boats yeah that's all i'm saying true, true. so uh, before we wrap up we like to ask everyone uh, to share a moment they've seen god in recently our God moment segment, whether that be a blessing, challenge, moment of worship, curse, anything along those lines. And I always make Joshua go first to give our esteemed guests as much time as they need. And then I'm going to start picking y'all at random. So don't yeah. think you have a whole bunch of time.
0: <laughs> you know, I've seen God a lot recently, just in powerful different ways. But I'm going to do an easy one for the time of year here, here in South Carolina. February is when I can start planting seeds and seeing sprouts and stuff come up, and it's really cool for me and I've been playing in this butterfly garden and just watching life come and just it's weird because when I was younger, I was a lot more let's justify war, you know I was a lot more aggressive and now I'm like, man, I really get the most out of my life when I'm seeing things grow and come to life and uh I don't know it's just a powerful thing to be reminded that uh God put us here to take care of the earth and Life is important, even if it's not human.
1: All right, yeah, that's a good one. Uh, for me, my God moment is a, a string of moments wherein most days I work pretty much just my scheduled shift. Most days, some days, more days than I have been. Uh, so I'm very thankful for that. The stores in a rough place, and we're we're getting help. Very yeah. helpful for all of us. Yeah, praise God. Soon
0: he'll be able to have two days off to come visit me.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: I'm speaking it. Speak they have life. to be concurrent, though. Toby Mac. <laughs>
1: but uh. <laughs> all right, uh, Maureen, do you have a God moment for us?
3: Sure. I teach high school, and um, mm-hmm. I would say that I'm really seeing God these days in this one particular student. She's super, super engaged in my class, and just like seems very genuinely curious. Um, about what we're talking about i teach religious studies and um i just feel like there's something there that smells like god to me
1: yeah can you describe that smell for her? no um dr gilmore nathan uh, do you have a god moment for us
7: i do uh you know i graduated seminary 21 years ago now and uh after that i went off to grad school and became a you know an english professor Uh, And for some weird circumstances that I won't narrate right now, I am for the first time teaching a class full of ministry majors and teaching Old Testament theology and just returning to that inquiry, returning to that set of questions. Uh, And honestly, you know, being in conversation with these people in their late teens and early 20s who are, you know, looking forward to. Uh, you know, a life, you know, influencing worshiping communities is is just really giving me a lot of life.
2: Mm
8: -hmm.
7: Uh, Reverend Shana Watson, uh, do you have a God moment for us?
2: Sure. I would say my God moment was during a dental appointment. And, uh, you know, I dental appointments are always like going to get my car fixed. It's always like expensive and unachievable and there's always something wrong. Um, (laughs) But yeah. (laughs) uh, (laughs) So um, on January 5th, I began some dental work processes and um, I'm going to get a couple of implants but in order to do that, I had to get um, some teeth extracted, and it was my first experience with nitrous, which is also called like laughing gas. <laughs> I see Nathan like, yeah. <laughs> um, and Nathan's I'm sitting on it right now, <laughs> right? I'm like, so I'm sitting there getting, you know, teeth pulled out of my face, and you know, I'm having this ethereal experience about wow. You know I really want this change and to have um, a healthier, more confident smile and the things I have to experience in order to get to this change. you know, I have to go through this transformative process. And I'm like, oh my God, all these sermons I've been preaching about change. I didn't realize how painful it would be. <laughs> it a struggle it would it might be for some of us. So my God moment was like, wow. The pain, the process, the recovery times, the pain, you know, wash, rinse and repeat um, the intentionality behind some of it, the investment, the sacrifice. So um, my God moment came out of the symbolism in my extensive dental work. So I'm looking <laughs> forward to this year of, of healing and um, getting getting my uh, dental aspects to a healthier place and my hope is that my life will also get to a healthier place through some of those changes too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Those listening can't see, but Shayna, you has a beautiful smile. So <laughs> Thank So you. far it seems to be going great.
2: Thank you. It's all in the back where no one can see. Uh, okay. It Make it perfect more. good. <laughs>
1: yeah.
8: <laughs> Thank That's you. the
1: secret. Always hope the cavities are in the back so That's you don't smart. have to pay any- <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, uh, chew your candy with your back teeth, kids. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Joseph Mancuso, do you have a God moment for us?
8: No. All right. No, yes, I do. Yes, I do.
2: <laughs> <laughs> i was about to say, keep it real. Sometimes. Like no. Nah. <laughs> uh, wait.
8: Who, who's God? What is? Yeah. What are you oh, talking wait. about? Wait, I got wrong podcast. Sorry. <laughs> um, uh, no, I, I, you know, I mean, I would say I am in a season now where. I can feel a sense of change and a sense of challenge right now in my career and in what what's next in life. And I don't know what that is. And that, for kind of a high controlling personality, is a really frustrating place to be. Like you feel, you know, there are there have been moments and days where I'm like, I'm really lost. I do not know what to do next or where I'm going. Um, so, but in that, in that, I say two things that I saw God was. First, in my wife, I have to give her a whole lot of credit. She's done a whole lot of supporting and really, um, showing me that the grace of God through her actions and support. Um, and I can acknowledge how, how much work we took to get to that point, 10 years through marriage. And I see, and I see, uh, I see God through her and how she is being my support. And the second really honestly was coming to do this because I was like, oh, I just love, I was just having this conversation yesterday. I, just, I love talking about it; Like it really sort of lights mm-hmm. me up. So I was mm-hmm. like, that's why I, I emailed Joshua. <laughs> and I said, you know, I'm going to come to this because I really want to get out of whatever's going on in my head and just talk about something that I love to talk about. Um, mm-hmm. So this is a moment for me.
0: Yeah.
8: Really glad you made it. This was a, yeah, good talk. <laughs>
1: And last but not least, uh, Christian Ashley, MCA,
5: uh, I figured we'd follow us him. on
1: Systematic Ecology. <laughs> he uh, talks enough as it is.
5: <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm going to cheat like I always do, and I'm going to do two, and I'm going to set the stage for the first one. So last year, my family and I, we all went to Disney together during Thanksgiving, and my brother and sister-in-law arrived a day later than everyone else. So when they got there, they got everything in their room prepared, they called us all to see them, you know, just... We thought just to you know hang out before we went to the park and come to find out when we were in there, there was this little onesie on the bed, just lying there. They go, and we were all just so shocked and hugging each other. My poor scatterbrained grandmother was like, what are you all freaking out about?
0: Like, <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome.
5: <laughs> and and so, so your boy is going to be an uncle. I'm ready to, to just smother that baby with affection and be the favorite uncle, not only because I'm the only uncle, but, you know, <laughs> because I would have done it anyways. So I'm so ready for that. Uh, but now on the more downer side of things, uh, I did have a huge God moment earlier this week where like, like I'm in seminary right now and seminary is expensive. And it's probably going to come to the point where I'm going to have to take out a loan. And discussing finances is something I despise. And trusting God in finances is something I also despise. So yeah, I had a little come to Jesus moment where he said, look, I could give you a scholarship tomorrow or I could give you nothing. Either way, do you trust me to get you through this? And my very begrudging answer was, yes, I do. So I needed that just as I often do just to listen to him. It's like, trust me, not you.
1: Mm -mm. Yeah. All right. Thank you all so much for your time and those who have had to depart previously. Thank you for Mm -hmm. your time. Hopefully you came back and listened. Uh, (laughs) Thank you for listening. We so enjoy doing this for you all. Uh, if you liked the episode please consider sharing it with a friend uh, or an enemy share it with a cousin yeah preferably cousins lots of cousins mm-hmm. uh come to the convention we're gonna have shama Morema, noted church got a prophecy comedian formerly a uh, bunch of local charlotte food trucks it's gonna be a good time yeah, yeah i yeah. said food trucks and everyone like tilted their head like a dog
0: that heard walk. Food. <laughs> uh, i mean it is it's about dinner time yeah uh, and and a few of us, uh, Christian, me, Will, TJ, uh, Joe, we're all over at Uh You hit the host tab, you see all of our names, episodes we've done with that show. Um, it's a good time. I highly recommend checking out some of the episodes. Uh, particularly, you know, there was a Middle Earth Origins and a Power Rangers Origins episodes that are up there. I had a lot of fun with those, so check them out. <laughs> and
1: we hope you enjoyed it come back next week we'll be speaking with Stephen Snook a former career criminal hopefully and chess champion who runs his own ministries now uh, after that we will have Malin Rust author of Common Spaces Between Us nurturing the good in the midst of difference join us uh, then we will interview Matthew Winter creator of Brother Matthew uh, Reconstructed Faith and Commuter Christian finally at the end of season 1 Francis Chan will be joining us so, yeah show up for that he
0: doesn't know that though but I- i'm sure he'll figure it out someone will yeah. tell him when he least suspects yeah he will find out yeah he'll just accidentally stumble into a room with the computer and just be like wait what, what's going on here am i on the whole church podcast I'm like, yeah man yeah, you didn't know <laughs> yeah head over to their website fill <laughs> in that little chart yeah yeah <laughs> Thank you for listening to The Whole Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. Remember, you can always sponsor our show at patreon.com forward slash the whole church podcast. Come back next week, where we will be interviewing Stephen Snook, a former career criminal and a Christian author and minister.